Hello and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy. I'm here today with Steve and Wes. How are we doing, gentlemen? Yeah, not too bad. Hello. Doing well. Good. Yeah, we're going to jump right into today's uh, episode. For for those of you who may may not remember or know, I uh, I am a recording artist. And so a lot of times my my news is may differ from some of my colleagues, but at, at the bare minimum, uh, I'm constantly paying attention to what's going on in in popular culture in within the music sphere. And so today's episode, we're actually going to be talking about symbology in the arts world. And one of our points of reference, just to give us some understanding of where we're coming from, is the other day on June 27th. Uh, a rapper, recording artist by the name of Kendrick Lamar, had a concert, Glatzenbury Festival in Somerset, England. And it sparked a lot of controversy because if you were to go and look it up right now, you would see Kendrick Lamar wearing a crown of thorns and also blood raining down his face. Now, there's a lot of layers to that already, being that for many people, they don't know that Kendrick Lamar is one of the most popular hip-hop artists right now. Some would say he's one of the best of all time as far as his catalog and all those sorts of things. But one thing he's always been really known for is symbolism in his music, in his writing. And people now are, are looking at this and they're like, did he go too far? So right, right off the hop, I, I don't know what it was like for, for you guys when you, you kind of read the article or anything, but I'd love to get your your first impressions if you watch some of the, the video clips that I had sent you guys. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, right, it was noticeable, shall we say. It was maybe even shocking. Because <laughs> right? this is, uh, as a Christian, this is something like, an especially I grew up Roman Catholic, so... I'm used to going into the sanctuary and seeing the crucifix and the form of, you know, Jesus hanging on the cross with the crown of thorns. And, and so I, I grew up just kind of very cherishing that, right? That, that was um, a very kind of a sacred symbol to me. And to see that on the stage, if nothing else, it grabbed my attention. It was somewhat shocking. And I think a, a part of, I'm assume what what I'm assuming is Kendrick's goal. I think has been achieved. It grabbed my attention, right? And I think that was a very on that score. I think that was a very shrewd move. Mm -hmm. What about you, Wes? Yeah, a friend of mine actually sent a clip uh, to me on on social media on Monday with kind of it was a snapshot of Kendrick Lamar and he was you know, singing with the crown of thorns on and then he's kind of doing his. You're repeating, you know, they judge you, they judge Christ kind of thing. And he just kind of put, uh, well, this happened. That's just <laughs> what he, he wrote to me. Um, and I think, you know, my initial response was like, ooh, I am not comfortable with that. And I think, I think that's a totally appropriate initial response as someone, you know, who who's, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And so this imagery of clearly utilizing a depiction of Christ. That's what he's drawing yeah. on, right? He's using that as an inspiration to communicate something uh, was very visceral for me. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable with it because the symbolism of the crown of thorns, the cross, you know, especially with the crown of thorns and then the blood, that 
is a depiction of Christ's sacrifice. Yeah. And for that to be used in a way to communicate something else was uncomfortable mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, conjured up words like heretical, <laughs> and <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. Blasphemy or sacrilege or those kinds of words do come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah I think certainly sacrilege makes more sense than heretical, um, which we'll probably get into. I mean, Kendrick Lamar doesn't claim to be a Christian, so I'm sure he wouldn't, he has no problem being in the heterodox category um, right. as a non-believer. See, one of the one of the interesting things about Kendrick is in the past, he did profess to be a Christian. So this is where kind of the challenge comes up, right? Because, you know, uh, for me anyways, normally I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'll be the first to say, okay, well, the world is going to be the world. And that's kind of the way it goes. People are always trying to, for generations have been trying to redepict Christ in some fashion, some ways intentionally to make fun of him. Like there was a Netflix movie just a couple of years ago where Jesus was depicted as homosexual. Like it, it was, it, it's not new in popular culture, but I think one of the challenges for a lot of people now is it's again, the question of did it, did it go too far? Now for me, I've, I've seen, artists do this. I've heard artists in their hip hop lyrics. Kanye West did this, right? Kanye went as Jesus. One of his fans made a, um, they, they made a new Testament Bible where everywhere the word Jesus comes up, they changed it with yay. Like, and I was like, okay. But where, where my question comes in is because sometimes I find that as Christians, we're so quick to jump on a, a situation with re without really taking it for its full scale, because it could be showing us something about uh, where, our where our faith is really at, where maybe our religious behaviors are at, or, e or even idolatry in, you know, in, in some senses are in, the, are in the wrong place. Because one of the things that, that came up with this is this is off the back of the overturning of the Roe v. Wade case. And so Kendrick Lamar, this is at the end of his concert. And if you watch the video, you can see that he has a moment where you can see he's being very contemplative, like, okay, am I about to, you know, and, and, and a YouTuber I listened to named Ruslan alluded to the fact that it really looks like Kendrick is wrestling with this next thing that he's going to do. Like he, he says, is he going to go all the way? It, it's what the look really is on his face. But Kendrick Lamar starts to yell out, they judge you, they judge Christ. Godspeed for women's rights. Now, we already spoke about this. On, on face value, again, when we're trying to essentially compare our being willing to, you know, die for our beliefs and all those sorts of things. On the other side, is it is have there been times where Christians have gone too far? Where Christians have tried to, you know, make make imagery of something but again, like walked into sacrilege or blasphemy. Have have you guys seen anything like that? Yeah, I mean, that's a very good question. I think certainly within the worship music industry, uh, there have been instances of taking light of, you know, what worship is as almost a public declaration of things we believe about God. And yeah. there are some lyrics that I think probably border, you know, uh, is that really, truly a way we should be communicating how we profess 
a relationship with God or I mean, you know, there are all the jokes about the early 2000s and the Jesus boyfriend songs. And yeah, and I can even relate to, you know, understanding where that comes from, even if, you know, I don't <laughs> sing those songs and we don't sing those songs in my church. But I, I think that's the closest thing I could think of, you know, the the sloppy wet kiss lyrics. And, you know, it's like, ah, you could pro- probably find something a little <laughs> bit more. A little bit more appropriate to talk about your relationship with God, but um, but I don't, I don't know if I could think of any that I, I would say are are certainly not heretical, not from like a Christian worship band at the top of my mind, but probably ones that make make more light of the holiness of God than mm-hmm. I would be comfortable with. Yeah, and and the kinds of things that I can think of, a couple of them. One is when it comes to images and things like that. I mean. In church history, we've had the you know that controversy over icons, whether we should use that or not. Mm-hmm. So that's one category. Uh, another category that I can think of, I, I'm not necessarily saying that these are parallel necessarily, sure. but just kind of as examples of what I think of. But one thing that makes me super uncomfortable is this is something that I see, especially um, down in the States, for example, uh, certain churches start waving the American flag in the church, you know, from the pulpit, uh, this sort of Christian nationalism kind of a yeah. thing where it's like, I'm not entirely convinced that that is appropriate. Like, and so what I have to do in all of these cases, and maybe I'm just taking this in the wrong way, you can always kind of bring me back, Troy. But one thing that I have to do, because you mentioned earlier how sometimes Christians can kind of jump on this a little too quickly without giving it too much sort of thought. So what I try try to do anyway is I take it for what it is. Yeah. And without at first, I try to take it for what it is without necessarily kind of passing value judgment on it. I that comes later, but at least the the first thing that I want to do is what is it? What is being done? So in in those kinds of descriptive kind of ways I think about it. Because Aristotle, I think it was Aristotle who put it this way, right? The mark of an educated mind is the ability to entertain ideas without accepting it. And I think the first step is actually being able to ask, okay, what's happening here? What is it? Without first jumping into, is this sacrilege? Is this good or bad or anything like that? And so that's what I tried to do with Kendrick Lamar's thing. Okay, what is going on here? What is he doing? Why is he doing this? Yeah. It wouldn't be a AC podcast if we didn't nerdily drop in Aristotle or Augustine or <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> we got a quote: Aristotle, Augustine, Aquinas, all the the big big A's, triple A. They're always in there somewhere. Right. <laughs> so my my next question, it kind of is like because when I when I first saw this, and and maybe this is some an area where where I need growth, whatever. I like, you know, if, if, but when I first saw this. I saw it was originally on Kendrick Lamar's album cover where it's called Mr. Moral and the Big Steppers. And he's wearing a crown of thorns in there. And once again, people are kind of in an uproar. I was like, okay, kind of like you, Steve. I'm like, I'm going to take this at face value. Okay. Because again, naturally for me, when I see someone use the crown of thorns, where my mind goes was, okay, well, that was something that was used to try and humiliate Jesus. He didn't don the crown of thorns himself. This was something that they were using to try and, you know, 
defame his character, mock him, make fun of him, all those sorts of things. So when I saw the crown, when I see the crown of thorns being used, as much as I understand what it represents, that was not its initial intention. Now it was completely flipped on its head because Jesus really, you know, sacrificed his life for us. But it didn't get me up in arms. It wasn't until I saw this video with blood raining down that I had it that I had an issue because it's nothing but the blood of Jesus, right? It, the scripture speaks very specifically that it is the blood of Jesus, that his shed blood that gave us our salvation, that saved us. So that's where I, where, where I had an issue with it. But I guess this kind of brings up the, the, the conversation around symbolism and how it, how it really impacts and affects us differently. But I just wonder how that, how that happens. Right? How on earth can one person see the crown of thorns and be so like offended by it? But then there's someone like myself who sees the crown of thorns and, and it doesn't bug me. But one thing we can absolutely agree on is that the blood of Jesus is not something to be played with. I think it brings up an interesting conversation. Well, and I think there's that uh, that personal connection, right? Um, you, Troy, you know, or Steve or I we have a personal relationship with Jesus. So there's a personal relationship with kind of the imagery associated with Jesus, whereas a non-believer, a non-believer in Christianity, I mean, arguably we all believe something, right? But a non-believer in Christianity doesn't have that same sort of personal and emotional connection to who is our Lord and Savior. That, that identity doesn't resonate with them. And so they're not creating those same connotations. Uh, but I think it does say something that someone like Kendrick Lamar, or like you said, uh, Kanye West years ago, they're invoking imagery of Jesus. And so aside from you know them not having a personal relationship with Jesus, there's still this very deep kind of association that Jesus stands for something. I remember there was um, years ago, when I was uh, in seminary, I worked this job. I was a delivery driver for an organic juice company here in Toronto. And when I left, I had to like train one of the new guys. And so he sat in in the, the delivery truck with me and he was like as hippy dippy, you know, as you could get, you know, all religions lead to God. We had lots of great conversations. But this one time we're sitting in the truck. I remember it very clearly because we we're stuck in traffic on the uh on the dvp in toronto which can get pretty bad but and he was talking about jesus and he was like well i just think jesus represents this uh, the perfect imagery of sacrifice and i was like oh that's interesting what did jesus sacrifice himself for and he kind of went uh I don't know. What do you think he sacrificed himself for but it was like he knew where he sh what he should be saying yeah. He knew that there was a connotation with Jesus and sacrificing. He just had no understanding of sin and depravity and salvation and Christ rescuing him from the sin and the grave. Yeah. But he knew that that image of Jesus, and particularly Jesus on the cross, had the association with that, and I think that's something that Kendrick Lamar is drawing on, whether he understands the gravity of the imagery that he's using, he's pulling on something that kind of is like the shadow of our uh, Judeo-Christian past that's mm -hmm. still kind of like, 
it's like the dust that's settling on us that we don't realize is all around us, right? Like I'm constantly being like, why am I, why am I, where's this dust coming from? Why, why is there constantly <laughs> dust on my shelf? But it's like the, the, it's like the sociological impact of the dust of the Judeo-Christian ethic and, and value system that someone like Kendrick Lamar is drawing on, and he's probably drawing on more than he even realizes it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there is still very much that cultural resonance, right? Um, even the name Jesus still carries some weight, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Now, different people try to make something different of that name. And I think in this case too, like, um, it, like just reading through some of the stuff and watching through some of the stuff that you sent me, Troy, I see that he's been heavily influenced by a new age teacher. Eckhart, Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle. Tolle, yeah. Yeah. And so obviously it, from that kind of a worldview, when you talk about Jesus, you're going to talk about him in a very different way. Although I thought just kind of watching Kendrick Lamar do his thing, uh, one thing that did come to my mind, I was like, okay, is there any sort of, just from a Christian perspective, any redeeming quality to this? Right. And I thought, well, at least in one sense, right? In one sense, what he's doing is somewhat appropriate insofar as Jesus did call us to be more like him and take up the cross and walk with yep. him. Um, and, and we're called to constantly, you know, yeah, conform to the image of Christ. Now, what that exactly cashes out to, I think uh, Kendrick Lamar and I would probably differ, but I thought, okay, I, I should be able to see some good in this. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was that was a big one for me because I'm always trying to look for opportunity, right? And and I even made a mention to this. Like this is something that I that I think about is maybe in just the, the way our, the church and like Christian culture responds to these things is seeing the teachable opportunities from it, right? This is why even with this conversation, I didn't want to just get on here and have us just bash Kendrick Lamar and tear him down and rah 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 and say you know what I mean like. Because it's not fruitful. Because mm -hmm. the world, whether we like it or not, the world is watching how the church responds to things like this, to moments like this. You and and it, you don't even have to look very far. You can go right on Twitter and you can see captions and responses from people right underneath their statements, like "Oh, the church is gonna, you know, the church gonna be coming for you" and all those sorts of things. Even if, even if within my friend group, I you know, talking to some people, and I was just saying, man. We have such an incredible opportunity for those of us who have social media platforms to add correction or add, uh, you know, like it's a teachable moment for us where I can get, I can get on my, uh, my social media and I can talk about, Hey, the blood of Jesus is not something to play with. You know, symbolism, the crown of thorns totally get what Kendrick was trying to do, even with, you know, the, the they ju they judge you. They judge Christ. Godspeed to to women's rights. Or it's like Kendrick hasn't fully developed his thought process on Jesus in his relationship with Jesus, whether regardless of where it's at. And and so everything is funneling from this almost what is it called the Dunning Kruger effect, right? Where where right. where you've learned where, where there's a whole lot of zeal towards some new knowledge that you've received. But there hasn't been a lot of there hasn't been enough time for it to actually develop into you actually having a full understanding or or at least a rooted understanding 
of what it is you're trying to convey. And this is what happens all the time in the, in, in the art world. And it's what happens in, in culture where we feel like because my emotions are, are being challenged, I feel like I got to say something. I feel like I got to go as far as possibly can to get people's attention. Because if I just knock on a couple doors, people are going to shut them in my face. And this, this begs the question so much more of like, it's not so much, did the art go too far, but you got to really ask yourself, do you truly believe what you're yelling about? Right? Like if you're going to yell so loudly about something, are you willing to deal with the, the ramifications of what you might be saying? And I think in that regard, when someone wants to play with the blood of Jesus, you, you actually have a very poor understanding of who Jesus is. Well, and I think, I think this is an instance of where, you know, taking the Lord's name in vain does apply. I, I think Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And so that, that imagery is taking something that, that is meant for, you know, a, a purpose of communicating who Jesus is and then using it in a way that is not appropriate. But I think two things can be true at the same time. I think this can be uh, very offensive um, yep. and uh, potentially blasphemous. Yep. And it can prove to be a cultural touch point that can help us as Christians talk about these things and talk about why this imagery is so powerful and point them to who the one who tr actually did wear the crown of thorns uh, that did have real blood coming out of it, um, mm -hmm. not just prop blood, and what that means for them as a human being. And even the fact that he's talking about women's rights. I mean, one of the uh, things that always stands out to me when I hear conversations of women's rights is, uh, this was a number of years ago uh, before I had any job title that included the word apologist. But I was, um, I was at an event where uh, Andy Bannister, who is a, an adjunct with Apologetics Canada, he's out in the UK with SOLAS, he was doing a talk at a university here in Ontario. And after the talk, uh, an individual came up afterwards to the, in the Q and A stepped up the mic and proceeded to say, well, you know, some of the effect of, I can't remember the exact phrase, but you, you Christians are anti-women and Andy is very British and very clever. And so, you know, he just said, well, why is, why are women's rights a good thing? Now, why, why would we want women's rights? And it kind of caught this guy off guard where he's like, what, what do you mean? Why are women's rights a good thing? Like, don't you believe in women's rights? And he went, oh, yes, I do. And he said, like, I believe in women's rights, but I have a, I have a grounding for women's rights. Why, why do you believe in? Why do you think it's a good thing? And this guy kind of stuttered around. And he was like, well, yeah. it's good because it's good. And Andy was like, okay, come on. You're at one of the top universities in this country. You can do better than it's good because it's good. And I, it, what it proved, I mean, Andy is incredibly winsome. And instead yeah. of like really arguing with him, because he could have, he could have just launched into, you know, this is why he, he confronted that person and saying like, I commend you for invoking that you should be worried about women's rights. But where are you getting that framework? Where yeah. is someone like Kendrick Lamar coming up with a framework where the concept of the equality of the human being, of them having both male and female intrinsic value by nature being humans, 
yeah. rather than extrinsic value and what they can contribute. Where does that come from? Well, that's a Christian idea. And so I think we can use these kinds of examples as a conversation pieces to say like, yeah, you know, that was that was really powerful, even if I think it's blasphemous. That was really powerful. <laughs> and it's it's and the 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 imagery and the language that was evoked, okay, well, where do you think we why why do you think it's good to fight for women's rights? Where, where do we where do you get that idea? Like I think yeah. these are opportunities that present to us as believers in Christ mm-hmm. to invoke, you know, true and noble and winsome speech. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and, and earlier, Troy, you mentioned like the world is watching, right? How the church reacts, and I think I don't always succeed at it, but you know, I try to take it seriously when in First Peter three fifteen, right? Always being ready to give an answer for the reason for the hope that is in you, but do it with gentleness and respect. And so I, I think, yes, the what of it is very important. Mm-hmm. But really, the how of it is is really also important. I, I mean, earlier you kind of, you know, not not picked on me, but you you mentioned the fact that I brought up Aristotle West. So let me bring him up. Oh, <laughs> I picked gonna, on you. Um, you gonna I, get I, this I Aristotle right? Or, <laughs> yeah. So let, let's talk about like. Apparently, I like these dead Greek guys. Um, was it Plato or Aristotle? Actually, now I'm just second-guessing myself. But in the book Rhetoric, it talks about the three elements of persuasion, right? There's the logos, which is the logical content in it. And then that's there's Aristotle. the pathos, which is... That's Aristotle. Yeah, okay, good. So another big A. So there's logos, there's pathos, which is, you know, your emotions, your passion, and your, you know, mode of delivery. But then there's ethos, right? Which, which is where we get our word ethics from. So it has to do with your character. So, I mean, you could be... You could have logically tight argument and you could deliver it in the most passionate way possible. But if you turn out to be a jerk, uh, it's not going to be very persuasive. Um, I'm not saying that, therefore, what you said is wrong. But insofar as we want to be winsome and persuasive, your character matters. And how you respond to things uh, matters greatly. And so I think... Yeah, like I said, like I I often fail at this, but I try to keep that in mind and and try to be winsome and I think we should we should all try to do that really. Yeah. You're really pushing on the uh, air's throttle on that. Wow. <laughs> I'm cutting that out. <laughs> you know you're a dad when. Yeah. Eckhart Tolle, he he got popular from Oprah. Right. It was this guy who got propped up very quickly. He's been give, now given this platform and he can kind of say whatever he wants. And so naturally, A-list celebrities are going to flock to his teachings, flock to his um, the, the things that he has to say. And, you know, mixing like every good lie has little bits of truth in it. Right. Recognizing Jesus as a prophet and recognizing Jesus is like, oh, yes, Jesus was a very influential person in history. Correct. But to reduce him to a prophet. No, <laughs> you know, to take the, the crown of thorns and use it in such a way of saying, like, metaphorically, you got to be willing to die for your beliefs. It's an oversimplification. You're almost, you're, it's like you're almost there. And, and in the almost there, this is where I challenge the church. It's the, you, you just lean their foot in the door. They are almost there. You running up to them and barking at them, probably not going to get them the rest of the way. But, 
if we don't sit long enough with people to really hear where they were, you know, help them develop or hear where they've developed or formulated these thoughts and ideas in their head, we won't get them the rest of the way. And I'm, and I'm only using the church symbolically. I'm not saying that the goal is to just get them in the pews. The, the, the goal is for them to be in the kingdom, like period, flat out. But in order for them to really have this, even a desire to come into a further knowledge and relationship with Jesus, there needs to be a gentleness in the mystery of heaven and the unknowing. And we have a huge responsibility to properly present that. Kendrick went full, full force showing thorns and blood. That was what he, he felt he needed to do. But his goal was to bring people to the kingdom of heaven. His goal was to create a shock value moment. And he did that, but we, we as believers can't get caught in that snare and not see things for us as they really are. Well, and I think this opens up an opportunity for us as Christians to really speak into these issues in the sense of, you know, knowing things about some of these sources like Eckhart Tolle. I mean, I remember um, uh, when I was in my uh, seminary days, uh, I read both Eckhart Tolle's book on Jesus. He has a book just titled Jesus and he has a book on Buddha. And, and both of them, uh, I read, they're not very long, but thinking like what someone like Eckhart Tolle has done is he's taken a Jesus and he's created a Jesus in his own image. He's taken that example and you know, he has this whole narrative about how, you know, the, the Bible's been changed and the church suppressed the Gnostics and all of this stuff, which is historically completely invalid. And I think this kind of provides opportunities, uh, both challenging us as Christians to be able to, you know, correct those errors, um, but also to speak into saying like, hey, that does not reflect the Jesus that walked the dusty streets of first century Judea. Yeah. You know, uh, why don't I tell you about the actual historical Jesus? Because the historical Jesus is actually far more interesting than the Jesus that someone like Eckhart Tolle that influences Kendrick Lamar is described as. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you quoted uh, Steve, at least I think you're quoting, um, 1 Peter 3.15, the, you know, gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience right. verse. Uh, the other kind of like flagship apologetic verse that often comes up is Colossians 4.6 which says, act wisely towards outsiders redeeming the time. And I think this provides an opportunity to redeem the time. But Paul goes on there and he says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And he doesn't say every question. He doesn't say every objection. He says everyone. And, you know, these are people who are being influenced by the you know, catechism of our culture with people like Kendrick Lamar, right? A lot of people yeah. won't know the Westminster catechism, but they may know Kendrick Lamar lyrics. Yeah. That's a that's a catechism of the secular age. Yeah. And so we need to our words need to be seasoned with salt. And this yeah. is something I talk about in my kind of like apologetics one oh one talk that I give is that salt has all these different components to it. You know, salt seasons, salt preserves Salt changes its environment, right? You put salt on ice. We know that what that means in Canada. You know, it, it melts the ice, right? It has the ability to change its environment chemically. And salt also irritates. Uh, you know, if you put salt in a wound, it's it's going to hurt. But, and, and obviously, if all you're doing is irritating or being salty in the wrong way. Um, 
but you know, that's, that's, I think an example for us. That's really well said, Wes. Um, we have a really big responsibility and how we approach these things is, is really what is going to make a huge impact on our communities and, and, and things going forward. And so from the Christian community, you know, I don't want to see people going and attacking Kendrick, but I also don't want to see the Christian community backing down. And I know everybody gets it. Like, I'm not the kind of person who's naive to think that other religions and faiths aren't being made fun of in some capacity, but Kendrick didn't stand up there dressed like Buddha. Kendrick didn't stand up there dressed like Muhammad. It just reminds me uh, of Romans 14, 16. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. And so that, that mm. takes work. I believe that we need to continue to be praying for artists in pop culture, like, like the Kendricks, like the Justin Bieber's, like numerous artists who have a background of the Christian faith or an upbringing of the Christian faith, but are in the public eye or at the mercy of record labels or at the mercy of the people that are paying for their concert tours, feeling like they got to feed this machine that is the consumer. We need to be praying for those people so that their platform, it's not saying that I need Kendrick to start singing worship songs. <laughs> no, but I need, I, I'm praying for people like Kendrick whose hearts to be transformed so that he can properly translate the heart of Jesus within his demographic. He doesn't have to do it the way I would do it. He doesn't have to do it the way that you would do it. But like you said, there is a gentleness and respect rooted in our faith that we are called to uphold. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think the fact that, you know, Christianity and Christians often become the whipping boy of the secular culture uh, it is a testament to the fact that the idea of religious tolerance is one that comes out of the Christian worldview. You know, like you said, yeah. it's not it's not the Muhammad and the Quran that's constantly uh, being attacked for, a, I think, a very specific reason, but actually one of the earliest depictions historically of the crucifixion of Jesus is what's known as the Aleximenos Graffito. comes from the first century. And it's this graffiti uh, of a carved, um, it's, a, it's a donkey. Well, it's a man with a donkey's head on a cross. And then there's a man who is worshiping it. And at the bottom, it says Aleximenos, who, which is the name of a person, uh, worships his God. And it's kind of mocking, you know, this idea of the, the Christians who would worship a crucified individual when crucifixion was purposely designed to dehumanize and be shameful and it was it was a public representation by the romans to make sure that this person was made an example of yeah. within the society and so you know christianity is is not a stranger to being you know uh its imagery being invoked both you know for um kind of the the positive imagery that we've been talking about, but also negative imagery. And I think, you know, one of the reasons for this is Jesus' words in Matthew 5.44, you know, pray for those who persecute you. That's yeah. been the message of historic Christianity is yeah. unlike maybe some other religious worldviews throughout history that seek uh, retribution and and seek vengeance when they're shamed, Christianity has has been the one that has, you know, prayed for those who have persecuted them and love those who have, have hated them and love their neighbor as their self. And yeah. uh, I think it, it, you know, this is an opportunity for us to both say, hey, 
stop that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's yeah. not good. Moral of the story, and, 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 don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't do That's not good for you. You know, yeah. and I think that that's why, you know, it's it's not that I'm angry at you for invoking this imagery, which, you know, I might be, but it's more so, you know, I'm worried for you. You know, you don't realize the father forgive them for they know not what they do. Kendrick Lamar doesn't understand the gravity of invoking that imagery in the way that he's doing. And so, like you said, uh, very articulately, Troy, we need we need to pray for him and we need to pray for his his followers, the people that follow his his art. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, listeners, so much for tuning into the AC podcast. Um, this definitely is a conversation that is multifaceted and can go many different directions. Um, but if if you, like us, are someone who saw the video, we, we just invite you to be praying. Uh, if you're someone who has a, a, a social media platform, I just encourage you to be mindful about how you address this topic. Make sure it is done with gentleness and respect because you have no idea who's watching. You know, for all we know, Kendrick Lamar could somehow, hey, get across our podcast. I don't know. Who knows? You have no idea. The internet is a wild place. But that doesn't mean you back down. But your response can be one that is more of an invitation than feeling like you got to defend yourself. Christ is the, is the defender of our faith. Thank you for tuning into the AC Podcast. It is a ministry of Apologetics Canada. Make sure to like and subscribe on all your favorite streaming platforms. Uh, and follow us on social media. Interact with us there. Please, if you like one of the videos we do, if you like one of the podcasts, leave a comment, share it with somebody. That, that just helps the message get out. It doesn't get, go further without you being the hands and feet in that regard. So we thank you for those of you who are um, continuously listening and tuning in and supporting the ministry. Uh, make sure you tune in next week as we find more things to think about. Until then, love God, love people. Bye for now.